Welcome to Talks at GS, where leading thinkers share insights and ideas shaping the world. This session of Talks at GS was recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Talks at GS. I'm Matt Gibson, and I'm honored to be able to introduce to all of you today David Robinson. As many of you know, David is widely considered to be one of the best basketball players to ever play the game. He's a 10-time NBA All-Star, two-time world champion with the San Antonio Spurs, two-time gold medalist, and he's a member of several different halls of fame. After he retired from basketball in 2003, David transitioned into being a venture capitalist, a business leader, and a philanthropist. David is a proud 1987 graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, which is a, uh, an alma mater that we share in common. And in fact, I think you remain the only player to play in the NBA from Navy in its history. So with that, David, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. So what drew you to the Naval Academy and how did that four-year life experience in those formative years yeah. shape who you became going forward? Yeah, uh, no question. I think growing up around those Navy bases, my dad was on the destroyers and he was on a, a big old carrier at one point. So yeah, being around the Navy always made me open to that opportunity. When I got a chance to go to college and 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 I saw what the Naval Academy was. I wanted to be an engineer. It was one of the great schools, great engineering schools in the country. So it did, it, it kind of shaped my, my viewpoint. When I was a senior in high school, I was only about 6'7". And, yeah. <laughs> Just a little guy at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, my, my father actually thought, he, he thought, well, you know, you're going to play in the NBA one day. And I I just thought it was ridiculous. I was like, Dad, come on, be serious. I, I'm 6'7", I weigh 170 pounds. I'm not going to play in the NBA. <laughs> so the Naval Academy, to me, was the best option. And I, I ended up going there and grew six inches in my first two years there and gained 60 pounds in my first two years. So, yeah, basketball is a lot different when you're 7'1", 235, as opposed to, you know. But what was great was the Academy had all that discipline, right? I mean, you go there in that first year, and you're, they just run you around nonstop, and you're memorizing all these little things, and... Uh, and I think for me, it just, it got me laser focused. Right. And so when I went to play basketball, it, it wasn't just a game for me. It was a, it was a real opportunity. And, and, I, and I had the discipline and the structure it took and the perspective it took to really understand what a great opportunity it was. What did you learn about yourself during those four years playing hoops at the academy? And how were you different as a senior, as a man and a basketball player versus yeah. when you came in? Yeah, I mean, Naval Academy is phenomenal for that. I, I call it in the Naval Academy just a leadership factory. I mean, you go there as a, as a kid, and, and you come out as a man. And, uh, you know, they'll put you, first they run you around, but after that they put you in charge of guys and give you opportunities to lead. And so, you know, coming to the, coming to the San Antonio Spurs, you know, you're, you're one of those guys who are looking to make change. Mm -hmm. And so I, I came in there. It was a very dysfunctional team. I come into this locker room, and we're, you know, the year before we were 21 and 61. And so immediately I said, okay, we're, we're changing this atmosphere, and how are we going to do that? And how am I going to play the role in changing that? And so I saw, you know, different things that I needed to attack. Um, and, and so it started. You know, now 30 years later, you know, all the things fell into place, and we got some other, other great leaders in there, but... Now it's, you know, one of the, arguably one of the greatest sports franchises uh, in our day. So, you know, my mindset was, 
how do I, how do I come in here and make a, make a difference given my circumstance? And so, uh, so those things just get ingrained into your head. And, and, and at times it was difficult being that young leader in that locker room, but, uh, but, you know, just persisted. Your basketball career is too lengthy and successful to go through every chapter and verse, but um, you played on a lot of good teams with mm. talented players that didn't go all the way. Right. You played on a lot of good teams with talented players that did, or at least two that, that went yeah. all the way. What role does team chemistry play yeah. in that, and what role does leadership play in that, both on the team and from the coaching staff? Yeah, both of those are huge. No free agents wanted to come to San Antonio. There was no reason to come to San Antonio. It wasn't like you were going to make money on the side. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and we weren't successful. So it was just a, it was a bad destination location. And so we had to first build culture, make it a place where the guys wanted to come. And, and, and now you see guys taking pay cuts to come down to San Antonio and be a part of that culture. So, so you know, creating in that locker room, I remember the first, when I first got into that locker room and, and, uh, and I was all excited, I wanted to make a difference and the, and the ownership came to me and said, we've got this great, you know, 13 city bus tour. We want you to go around, talk to everybody. It's like 105 degrees out in Texas, you know, in the summertime. <laughs> Let's go visit these cities, and you go wave and shake hands, and we're going to get more season tickets. And, and so I'm like, okay, sure, that sounds great. Let's do that. And I get back in the locker room, and the guy's like, man, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Like, they're going to just, they don't care about you. They're going to use you up, and then you're going to, they're going to trade you when, they, when you don't have any value to them. And I thought to myself, aren't we on the same team? <laughs> like, like is, doesn't it benefit us if we get more season tickets, too? Like, I, I don't understand this disconnect. <laughs> And so, really, we had to work hard on getting the players on the same page with the coaches, on the same page with the management um, and the ownership. And, and so, you know, over the years, that, that has happened. So, yeah, culture is, to me, it's, it's everything. It's, it's why you stay. It's, it's, it's what everybody buys into when you come. And everybody says they want good culture, but, you know, clearly, it's not that easy to attain. <laughs> you know, you got 30 teams in the NBA, and everybody says, oh, I want to win a championship. Yeah, okay, well, what are you willing to do to win the championship? You know, what's it going to take? And so for us to have been able to build that culture is, has been amazing. Let's talk a little bit about your life post-basketball. So towards the end of your NBA career, I think you were still playing, in 2001, you founded the Carver Academy, which seems to be a reflection both of your faith and your passion for, for education. Can you talk a little bit about what the mission of Carver is and how it's evolved over time? Absolutely, yeah. Carver was born out of, you know, my heart is, is that I'm, uh, I'm a teacher. When I was about to retire, I knew there was just a couple of years left in my career. My wife and I sat down and said, well, what can we do in San Antonio that is going to give back long after we're gone? And so we ended up starting the Carver Academy. Um, it was a pre-K through second grade school that we grew one grade each year to sixth grade. And, and then we got it accredited as, a, as an elementary school. And then five years ago, we partnered with a charter school organization, Idea Public Schools. And it's a phenomenal organization. Our goal was to grow 20 schools in San Antonio. We have 14 schools open this year with 5,500 students, 8,000 kids on the waiting list. And then next year, we'll open six more schools. So we'll be at scale. 20 schools, uh, and when we're finished doing what we do, we will end up doubling the number of low-income kids going to college in San Antonio every year. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So to further that objective, in, in some ways, you founded Admiral Capital, but it was founded originally as a way to help you fund and grow the Carver Academy. Right, right. So can you talk about this foray for you into business, what you've learned, and how do you balance 
financial and social returns when you're evaluating an investment? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I feel like I have to necessarily balance the returns. You know, mm-hmm. right? If I'm dealing with Texas Teachers, one of our great investors, they care about returns, right? So we better do a good job for them. Uh, you know, I mean, the great thing for me, I think, is being a part of some of these phenomenal organizations. You know what excellence looks like, and you can't accept any less, right? So with the Spurs, we need to be the best team on the floor, period. And then we have a great platform to do great things in the community. And, and so with Admiral Capital, that's really been our mindset. We're going to be the best platform for, you know, value-add real estate investing. And, and we'll try to grow the platform from there. So I was moved recently when I read a letter that you wrote uh, to your 18-year-old self. No. Uh, and it resonated with me because I've got a 20-year-old boy. He's a college athlete, too. But I read it as a letter of perseverance, a letter of hard work advice to yourself, don't give up. But there was something else that was woven through there, which was to constantly ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? It's a critically important question. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the race um, and really forget what what the important things are. Um, you know, my, my faith is really important to me, so I kind of put everything in perspective with faith. And, and one of the things I teach my boys all the time is perspective is everything. It's everything. If you don't have perspective, you're in trouble. You're going to fall. I don't care whether it's your marriage, you know, in your marriage, if, you know, to love your wife. For me, as a, as a man of faith, I see how God loves me with this unconditional love, and that's how I'm supposed to love my wife. When you have the right perspective, you treat her properly, right? right. You treat her like, hey, this is the woman I love and I cherish, and I'm supposed to honor her. So you spend every day trying to figure out how do you be a better husband, as opposed to every day, you know, how is this not working? Just given everything we've talked about, what makes somebody great in mm. your experience at whatever they're doing? Is it equal parts talent? Is it hard work, luck, mm. toughness? You know, there's this whole thing about 10,000 hours, et cetera. What's, yeah. the, what's the cocktail in your experience to make somebody great? So, I think what makes a person great is that the whole tide around them is rising. You know, just everyone around them is so blessed just by being near them, right? And, and when you learn how to do that, you know, I see a lot of really good players. And the, and the one thing I, I love about being in San Antonio was that that was what our culture was, right? It's we're here to make each other better. And so, you know, you see a guy, guy like, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge come here, and he's a great player. He was a really great player at Portland. But this is a different deal, what we're asking you to do here in San Antonio. This is a whole nother level. Right. This is not just putting up your 20 and 10 now. Now it's being a part of the rising tide. And that's a challenge, right? That's an adjustment. How do I do that? How do I move, go over that hump instead of just you know, putting up my great numbers every day? Uh, and, and so to me, a great person is, is someone that just brings that rising tide up and everybody around them just says, you know, I just want to be near you because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be so blessing, right. such a blessing for me to just be near you. And, uh, and so to me, that's, that's what a great, great person does. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, being in the military, you yep. see great leaders who, I mean, how do you lead someone into a situation where they know they're going to lay their life down for their country? How do you think about that? That doesn't even register, right? Like, I, I'm not going to go do that. Um, but if you, if you have a great leader, they're able to, to communicate. They're able to, to love and to hug and, you know, make you feel a part of that something special. Uh, you know, that's, that's impressive. It's a great answer.
Well, I want to thank you so much for joining oh, us. This was pleasure. a yeah, fantastic thank session. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody here. This podcast was recorded on March 10th, 2017. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part or disclosed by any recipient to any other person. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the recipient. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any recipient is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that recipient, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.